by Night Studios presents April 24th and 25th, 2020, the Mind's Eye Theater event of the season, Blood and Betrayal Redemption. Join us at the Abbey in downtown Orlando for an evening of intrigue, politics, and personal horror in an immersive live-action experience. Forge a new chapter in the World of Darkness Chronicle as you reveal the hidden secrets and twisted machinations of the Ivory Tower. Blood and Betrayal Redemption, a premium Vampire the Masquerade LARP event. Go to ByNightStudios.com for tickets. Fans of our podcast use promo code MET25 for 10% off ticket prices. That's MET25 for 10% off. Blood and Betrayal Redemption. ByNightStudios.com This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to the Dark Ages. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the 25 Years of Podcast of Masquerades. That was nothing. Uh, <laughs> right, let's do it again. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. My name's Nathan. And I am Bob. And today we're hip hop happy because of all the reading we've had to do. Reading it is. is great. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's a little rainbow reading. Anyways, how are you today, Bob? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm fantastic. I've got black coffee to drink. Fun fact. Mm. If you've had eye surgery and they gave you glasses so you could read easier, don't walk around just because you can see thinking, I got a headache for no reason. (laughs) When you wear the glasses they gave you two years ago, your headache goes away and you can see (laughs) things much more clearly. Uh, You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that um, (laughs) because uh, so here's a little fun fact about me. I didn't like wearing glasses ever, right? When I was a kid, I never liked wearing glasses. And I always had them, uh, but I never wore them. But I needed to wear them to drive. So I didn't drive. I didn't drive until I was 25. And uh, the reason why I started wearing them was so I could see to drive. And then I was like, oh, what is wrong with my whole freaking brain? Why didn't I wear these? Because for some reason, it just didn't seem that important to see. And uh, (laughs) this is a public announcement from Utility Muffin Labs. Wear your fucking glasses. (laughs) Right. right. If you have glasses, you should wear them. Seeing is cool. (laughs) All right. So uh, first thing I want to do, not in a sense to get it out of the way, but just because it's what we do, is to thank our new Patreon backers, some new ones that have uh, jumped on to back us since the last podcast we did. Justin Keen. And Mark Andre Malteus. And I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but it looks like that. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for backing us, helping to support us, helping us to get access to books we need for reviewing. That is like the biggest thing. It turns out you can be a collector and you can do reviews, um, but to do all the reviews, you need all the books, which is costly. So I just thought I'd put that out there. You know, interesting enough, duh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, in layman's terms, no shit. 
Um, <laughs> so, all right. Thank you. Uh, I want to also read a question from us. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to it, but um, I just thought it was an interesting question because it's not something I knew about. Um, so this, uh, this question comes from a listener of ours that also has a podcast. Um, and I will give you the information of that uh, podcast here in a second. It's called Talking with Shadows. This question comes from Marcus D. And Marcus D over at the YouTube channel called One Candle Society wants to know, he says, hey guys, longtime fan of the podcast, had a question that you guys may or may not be able to answer that's probably a little bit off topic. I host a paranormal podcast, and this week's episode, we were discussing the disappearance of Susan Walsh. She was a journalist who disappeared a few years ago after investigating vampire culture between 1995 and 97. Can't remember if you guys were LARPing or involved in actual vampire culture during this time. Did her disappearance affect vampire LARP culture at all that you know of, or do you remember it affecting vampire culture afterwards? Any thoughts you guys have on this would be appreciated. Um, is this anything you've ever heard of? Um, yeah, yeah. At, the, at that time, uh, dealing with... Uh... Dealing with LARP was a, was a big thing. There's a, this is similar to what happened with D and D, right? Mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. You know, you heard about those people kind of going in below, and you know, the rumor mill was the people went in the sewers pretending to be goblins, one half pretending to be heroes. They came in and stabbed each other, right? Right. And that's and that's the thing. And then parents freaked out about role playing games in general. Um, I am not in any way discounting the the horror or trauma of what may or may not happen to Susan as she's missing. Um, I, that's, you know, when she went missing and that's, that's, that's what occurred. Um, I don't know much about that story other than the name yeah. and the arguments that I had with parents, including my own, uh, regarding that, because I'm, I'm just going to run through here real quick, just real mm-hmm. quick. Uh, the, the portrayal of a parent is to protect your kids and then anybody else's kids that, that they associate with that you don't think are scumbags, Right. I use that term because that's what parents do. That's their job. Hey, who are your friends? Hey, who are you hanging out with? Can you bring them in the door? Let me see them. Okay. Right. Why are they dressed in this dark gothic attire? Why does he have a pentacle? What does this mean? What does that mean? That was my mom. And that was for anybody that was brought over. But she's open-minded. She would ask if you can intelligently talk about it. Told the truth. She would be like, oh, okay, that's cool. No problem. I'll see you tonight. Blah, blah, blah. The usual. This changed... The moment she, you know, her, oh my God, this could happen to my son. First off, I want to let you know, nobody was kidnapping me (laughs) ever, right? I want to let you know this. Kidnappers would look at me and go, nope, I like my spine. (laughs) For the simple reason, it's not that I can't be taken or knocked out or held at gunpoint or whatever. You are not carrying me anywhere fast. Right. Okay. We just need to let that know. I am a monster of a man. That idea put it out your mind. So I was never the target. However, no, no. even when I was a when I was, I'll say kid because it's appropriate. But when I first met you, when I was a kid, even then you were a big guy. Right. It was. Uh, I, I could tell you right now the the number one thing that parents said when they came to a game I ran or a LARP or what have you, or even came to my house, they were like, "Oh, they're safe. They're with him." Immediately, uh-huh. that's the one thing that went through their head, and I was like, "You're right," because they are. Yeah. And. We instilled something that took a... Well, basically my point is, what we did was their safety precautions because your strength in numbers. And right. we made sure that if there was an external source would be... Like, we were in a public park. Right. Anybody weird comes up to you, shout, get somebody's attention, say something. Right. It was immediate. I don't, we don't care what it was. Right. And, and, it, and if that's the case, we'd come over, we'd see what it is, whatever, call the police, do what we got to do. 
normally we were the people causing people to call the police. Right. It was the reverse effect. So that's, I would say, environment. But this only came about because I sat down with my mom and she said, and I'll never forget it. She goes, this, this poor woman's gone. And I'm worried that you're out there. And I'm not worried about you. Right. I'm worried about the people that are with you who can't defend themselves. Have you thought about it? I said, yeah. She goes, I don't want you to take your responsibility for them. Right? I, I'm only worried about you. Maybe maybe reduce. Maybe blah, blah, blah. I didn't listen to my mom 100%. But it was enough to go, I heard the story. I heard what she said. I heard about it. And how it impacted is we got smarter. Right. Right. Before it used to be anybody could play. Anybody could show. It didn't matter what. We were including all. And I immediately went from, nah, we're not doing that. Someone had the idea of flyers, uh, you know, with, uh, excuse me, permission slips yeah. for people under a certain age. Yeah, I, I, I think I remember distinctly that happening. Um, uh, and I, I remember being like just turning 18 at the time. So I was like, I don't need no permission slips. But that was back in the day when we played in the park and we played with, you know, dozens and dozens of people. There were people that were underage. There were people that were 15, 16. I mean, I got into it with my friends when I was in high school. So, you know, now looking back, it's hard to be like, yeah, 15-year-olds, that's totally fine to play with. But that's who was playing back then. And, well, I mean, you, you still find it's a role-playing game of imagination. Just cu- curb your theme. Right. If they're not of age, don't don't bring that content in. Right. And that's what we did. You know, we knew enough to do that. They have right. curfews anyway. 15-year-old ain't going to be out till midnight, 2 in the morning. So, right. you know, yeah. you, you live your deal. I was going to say, you know, this uh, – this particular situation, which I, I read up a little bit on before we got started, I, I had never heard of. Um, it was completely brand new to me. What did affect like sort of my immediate life and my ability to play the game was the stuff that happened in Florida. And I'm, I'm not sure if you remember that, but there was a guy who had cultivated like a little cult of people. And there were some murders that happened that... Uh, were in some way, shape, or form related to Vampire the Masquerade or vampires in general. Um, that was actually something when that happened, you know, my parents were like, this is the game you play? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> that's right. definitely a different game than what I play. Um, and I think it's an There's... important distinction, too. Uh, as far as, like, vampire culture is concerned, I've, I've never personally been involved in any vampire culture. I've been involved in Vampire the Masquerade culture, which is gamer culture, uh, and I know that there is a lifestyle vampire culture. That's never been for me. I like to pretend and play games. I'm not trying to live like a vampire. I don't think I am one. And then the most the most influential I know that was direct was the Bussy Woods. Uh, there was uh, there was evidence and remains found of mm-hmm. satanic things and killings. And, oh yeah, and all that all about Bussy Woods. Which for folks that don't know, it's a neighborhood near us in uh, in Illinois. And uh, it's almost in my backyard where I'm at now, and uh, I use that loosely. Uh, but the the point is, is that there was so much brought up about that, and a local radio guy who I won't even mention because he's a, <laughs> just a turd, um, and that's a clue. <laughs> is uh, is uh, is sensationalized this to ridiculous proportions yeah. to where you couldn't go anywhere without hearing about this for years on end. Uh-huh. And point is, is that when you hear stuff like this, and you're playing a game. We are playing a game, and it's fictitious completely. If you follow that, you're fine. And I, I know this is way more than the question you asked, but how it impacted was that people got smarter, yep. right? You did. You took it out of, hey, we're just having fantasy fun, running around, everyone can do it, and you turned around and went, uh, but we could possibly be a little smarter yeah. about venues and have take it from playing in the woods 
without protection to maybe a public park with plenty of lighting. Right. You know, and alerting authorities, letting locals know like, hey, we're here, we're playing a game. That's it. And anyone small enough to put in your back pocket. Well, my rule, if I could pick you up with one hand, I made sure there were more people around you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially when you're playing in like a, uh, you know, a place where it is open to the public and you'll, you'll be playing in, in, you know, wide distances and varying locations. Yeah. You, you, you definitely learn that safety is much more important than just, you know, running around and throwing rock, paper, scissors. Anyways, what, uh, what book are we reviewing for the day, Bob? Iberia by a night. Okay, and a uh, question some people have had, what the fuck is Iberia? Yeah, I think it's like Spain and Portugal, something like that. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, so Iberia by night. Um, here's the first thing that kind of struck me when I opened this book, and I apologize for the loud clap, but one of the things that struck me about this book is uh, I'm used to to reading and reviewing city books, right? That's kind of like the theme of this game, Vampire the Masquerade, and even the other ones, Werewolf. I don't know if Mage has any city books, but uh, this book is not a city book. It's a country book. It's, I mean, you can't, you can't put it any better than that. Yeah. It is, it is a lot stuffed in one place, right? Yeah. And this book's, and when it's, this book talks about Iberia, it talks about the Iberian Peninsula before the divisions, right? Before you had, we control here, we control that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it is divided between Portugal and Spain, so that's not a joke. I mean, all, and all, that's what it becomes. It's not yeah. where it starts. And um, that's what this goes over. I mean, this is a Dark Ages book, and it's it wants to tell you what happened here, how it got here, how the Canaanites got involved. But this book goes deep. Yeah. Yeah, it goes really, really freaking deep. Um, you know, the, the common complaint, especially when we're reading a lot of these Dark Ages books, is like, oh, God, guys, could you cut it with the history lesson and and give us some some content here? I, that, that's basically not possible with this book. This book is... It's, all- that's the very challenge. Right. You and I both didn't discuss the entire time we were researching and taking notes for this, but as we went here, it, I literally found myself, it's two hours. I've been reading this chapter, yeah. and there's three clans that were mentioned. And those three clans had maybe six sentences. Yep. And figure it out. But how, man, do I know about this caliphate and the sultanate? And every, <laughs> which is, oh, man, howdy. You know? And I'm like, well, that's 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 boring on a podcast. Yeah. I'm not going to go in and just, like, come on. Like, yeah. you got to figure uh, it out. So, yeah. A, yeah a, a lot of times in these these historical um, retellings, it's it's very much like, here we start and it's something BC and then this group fights this group and then this group conquers this group and this group conquers that group. And I feel like 50 pages in, I was still going, all right, right, uh, what's happening? Like it's, (laughs) it's just, so I don't want to be overly critical because I feel like very special attention was paid by the people who wrote these chapters to historical accuracy to um, the, you know, what actually happened in Iberia. And that's great. But to me, this is basically like a history lesson with some vampire stuff tacked on. It's very much like blah, blah, blah. Like Bob said, blah, blah, blah. And the La Sombra, blah, blah, blah for five paragraphs. And then the Ventru fought the Bruja, blah, blah, blah. Here's a challenge you're faced with Iberia. That, that peninsula was forever at war. Right, there are people coming in to settle, and there are uh, varying. You'll, you'll, we'll get to this 
pointing out how it's like sunrise, sunset, and because it's hotly contested, you as a writer got to go, where where do we fit vampires in here? Like, what what would it matter? Right. Right. That's the only thing I kept thinking to myself. It's like, if I had to write this book, where's where's the where's the point where fantasy meets reality, but reality is more interesting? Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's literally this book is consistent right. with that. Where it's like we mentioned the somber. Get out of here. Right. This dude just betrayed his king. Why? You know. It's, oh well, the Franks said they promised protection. Well, that was only why they were getting something. They stopped getting it. And then and then where they come from? The Sultan. Yeah. Who called them over? The people who just made the alliance. Yeah. Like what movie am I reading? That's it, it, it's very much like um, as you're going through this, <coughs> it, it very much seems like the pinnacle of this this leg of books where we're trying to give you a history lesson. We're trying to take you from point A to point B throughout human history. But like you said, the vampires really don't matter that much. All the vampires are kind of doing is just sort of backstabbing and fighting each other alongside the momentum of, of mortal history. And I think it's a really great rendition. And I don't know that much about the history to say that it's accurate or not, it seems very accurate because it seems like I'm just kind of reading a condensed history book for like the first 80 pages. And you're not wrong. It's the whole book, by the way. So that's the first 80. It's more or less the the, the great the greatest liars in the world. Mm-hmm. Every lie is 80% truth. Right. What is fiction but a lie? So this book is going to hit you with 80% fact and then 20% <laughs> fiction. Right. And that's what you get with it. Right, I would say that's an accurate ratio throughout this book, um, and that's and it's brilliant. Nothing stops you from doing it, but the thing is, you got to really want it. Yeah, you got to want it. And when you, when you go into here, but if you're looking for the origins of what was the big deal with the Reconquista, right? You know, you want to tell a tale through that. If you if you know what the Reconquista is, you definitely will by the end of this book, and uh, that's 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 what you're getting. So Iberia by Night is about an entire peninsula from from soup to nuts. Is, and that's the uh, that that's how it goes. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things that I, I definitely noticed was it because it is a book that deals with an entire region. There isn't a lot of focus. Um, there's you, you'll find often we'll use Chicago as an example. You know, the Chicago by Night book just came out, but it is a focus on Chicago. It's a focus on this one city and the movers and shakers that formed this one city. Well, because this is basically covering a bunch of, I don't know if this would be an appropriate term, but like city states um, throughout Iberia, you know, almost like small countries or um, like, well, even you could say like a bunch of cities you lack the focus. Like they'll mention in an offhand way, like, Oh, and the Prince of this region thinks this, and you almost have to dig for it in a lot of ways. Um, when they start going over in the chapter of the individual regions, you know, they'll, they'll go through all of this stuff that mars the mortal, uh, uh, the, the mortal politics. And then they'll say in a little section, here's how the vampires fit in. And to me, it's just, not enough for me to 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 lasso myself to to find interesting. It just what you're talking about is it breaks from the binite tradition. Yeah, the binite formula they establish is broken here. Right. It's it's too big of a region to make a binite of. Right. And you didn't focus on well, Al Andalus is in here, but maybe you should have chose that, like Al Andalus binite or whatever. But they right. wanted to they wanted to make you could tell the sombra focus. 
yeah. was the goal. But they wanted to tell you about it, and they had to do that. And I even know a couple uh, a couple listeners did get this book thinking it would tell them ins and outs of everything La Sombra. And, and no, it doesn't. It tells you the history of the La Sombra's impact on, on Spain, Portugal, the Reconquista. But it's it's not... And, and, and if from that angle you wanted it, that's great. But the thing I want you to know is that as we go through this a little bit here, and I do mean a little bit, we're taking slices of what the canine stuff is that's in here and, and rolling through, right? Yeah. And uh, here's here's the challenge we face, folks. When we do a review, in particularly dark, any book that's going to deal with deep dive history, most listeners, you're on a treadmill at the gym. Right. You're, you're at work trying to right. focus on something that isn't work and just let that be in the background and you're catching snippets. And the last thing you want, last thing we want, is for you to tune us into a droning on <laughs> right, right. Hammer. But hold and- up, hold up. Let's get real, because this goes even a step deeper. When we're reading a book that is a gaming book, right? This is our hobby. You know, we, we want to sit down and we want to read a book. We don't we don't want what you don't want. We don't want to read something that's like, and then in 1975, Steve came around and he knocked on a door, <laughs> but the door was painted with lead paint. And it was like, no, make it entertaining. I forever loved history. The moment in Nightmare on Elm Street, I heard it said in 1493, Freddie sailed across the sea. <laughs> I just... Look it up. It happened. It's in a film. But that's that's when that's that's when I knew numbers in history were never my friend. Right. Because I like rhyming games. Like you know me, Nate. I yeah. screw around with rhymes sometimes and I'm like, okay, great. I heard fourteen ninety three Freddy Sills across the sea. By the way, I turned it in an English test. <laughs> right? Or excuse me, a history test in school back in the day. And then Bob when, got I, when I heard fired. That, uh, no, the teacher actually gave me bonus points. <laughs> said that that is correct. Freddie did sail across in 1493. Great film and gave me bonus and that was it. I'd already had an A on it, but they were like, oh, I have bonus points for being funny. Like, good job, geek. I was like, all right, great. Moving on. <laughs> but it was it was a bonding moment. But the point is, um, unless it's something like that that spices up what you're reading, uh, you're going to be lost. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think that uh, if you are the type of individual who wants to know every little specific detail of the history of vampire, the masquerade of every little region, this, this book is going to be great for you. Um, however, I feel that the focus of this book is a bit too wide. It's focusing on too large of an area. And because of that, I can't focus my attention on anything. I really care about for the purposes of a game. Let's give you something that mm-hmm. isn't two guys' opinion, yeah. right? There is there is something to Iberia here, and it's good. I found nest eggs. I always do. I always think that mm-hmm. you know work of labors have some love in it, and this this is the love I found because I enjoyed it. Um, Iberia starts vampiric, folks, is where I'm coming from. We all know about Carthage. It's up and booming, right? Everything's kick ass. We're all over there worshiping the Bali or doing their thing. You know, uh, all the clans are kind of look at them. What are you doing? Don't look in the pit. You know that sort of nonsense. And then there are some Carthaginian bruja that go, you know, we're leaving. The, why, says the Lissambra neonates? Because the ideal of Carthage transcends space and time. <laughs> it's not bound to any one place. Its ideals should ring across the land. Great. Let's take a boat. Cool. We end up in Iberia. Right? And over right. here, what they're looking for is the Carthaginians believe in, in a dream, right? That they want to establish anywhere they choose. In other words, these elders didn't have power. 
right. in Carthage. They were not the reigning elders. That's why they could uproot and leave. That's that's what they don't tell you. When Neonate Lissandra are like, yeah, bro, like you dream. <laughs> Sounds good. And that's what they did, because Neonates wanted power, and they agreed to go with, right? Right. But it's not long before Elder Lissandra go, what are you doing over there? Ah, nothing, man. It's a dream. We're back at our buddies. <laughs> Bruja, just don't come over. You're totally cool. All right. All right. Right. Well, uh, you let me know if there's something of worth over there. Ah, it's nothing over here. It's just like weird. It's like some land. It's hot. Nobody cares. Just just stay there. And then eventually, an Elder Lissandra goes, hey, uh... You're a Carthaginian, uh, Bruja Elder Isabel, that leads the, all the Carthaginians over there right now. Um, how are my neonates doing? And she's like, well, they're over here, you know, helping building a utopia, because we believe Carthage transcends space and time. And the Elder Osama said, what? You lied to us. You said there was nothing over there. And they, and they start trying to come in, and these incursions and a bit of a shadow war begins. And then they throw up a, of a time here, which I loved. In 300 BC. Nope. How old this is. Right. <laughs> and... In 300 BC, Lysandra Elder Zinridi comes, and, and fighting becomes what they call balance. What I mean is, they snuck over here, these neonates and these Elder Bruja, with Jezebel, and they're doing this thing, and the Elder Lysandra were, like, sending troops over to bring them in line. We're Lysandra, you will tell us. We want a piece of the pie. We want, And they're like, no, we're, we're anarchs. We're clipping them. You're not going to get us. You're not going to get us. And then out of nowhere, Zinridi comes in, and Zinridi had been running around uh, doing that Carthage thing. And that Carthage thing is sacking, like literally owning military campaigns, doing what he do. Comes over here and figures out that Isabel's a Bruja, and not only not only a Bruja, but she's female, because that's what she means. I just want to add that. And uh, she's like, you know what? You're dead. You're a dead man. We're going to kill you. You're coming over here to ruin our, our stuff. And that's exactly what she does. Right. Isabel jumps up. She smokes in ready. And when that, when that happens, they're like, all right, fine. Now we go back to Carthaginian rule. We're going to figure it out. Until they hear the trumpets. And this is what I call the trumpets. That's when Rome went and said, hey, Carthage, and smoked it. And suddenly we don't have backing anymore from the great city of Carthage. And when that happens, the Ventru march Rome into here. Right? They're right in their backs, they're being the Romans, and they're like, hey, we're in Iberia now. Welcome to the new Roman conquest. And that's, and that's essentially what holds. Mm-hmm. Right? And to give you an idea... That's in 3rd century B.C. when the Romans get there. Right. Well, well, the Ventru Romans get there is what I'm referring to. And when that happened, they're all like, what do we do now? Right? And so Zinridi's Lysandra Childer, they betray their desire <clears throat> excuse me, for an open Canaanite rule, which is what they wanted. That's really what they wanted. The Lysandra wanted to rule openly as tyrants. And the Bruja wanted to rule, or, or, excuse me, hold their ideas and do it with mortals. Right. Well, when Rome gets here, Rome's like... We'll do neither. <laughs> they know nothing of us. You will get in line. You will sit back and you will pay your taxes and you will make roads and you will make aqueducts. Why? We like bathing and we like aqueducts for bathing. And that's essentially what they do. And these Lysandra are like, well, okay. <laughs> that sounds right. Hey, Carthage, F off. And the brewer are like, what? Yeah, go away. I look at Rome here. They're pretty cool. They're over here ruling. We get to bathe. There's these weird shiny coins they're handing out now that are like call it coins, they got these cool faces on it. Hey, we're living it up. We know what's going on. And Bruhar like, oh yeah, you don't know what's coming. We're iconoclasts too. We invented rising from the ashes and taking over our We're gonna tell the mortals, hey, you guys, rebel! And the and the mortals were like, Oh, but check out all the cool little gold bangles. 
and the silver jewelry we get, and oh, we get to wear cloth. Oh, it feels so good at night not to freeze. Oh, that's cool. Hey, aqueducts bring water. I could stop sending my wife to the well with the kids worried about the lions and nonsense to come to assault them. Oh, that's cool. In other words, Rome brought civilization. Mm-hmm. And these canines can get that through their thick freaking head. That, you know, Iberia at this point was more or less barbaric. And when Rome comes in, they were like, hey, be Rome or die. And they're like, well, we'd like to be Roman. Because it <laughs> seems pretty cool. We like your armor. That looks cool. And Rome's like, and you should. Because we're hip. And we're in. And that's right. what happens, right? And then the Bruja tried to sow Caesar rebellion. That fails. The Venture La Sombra team up. And Romanization happens. And everybody was like, well, what the hell? Well, then, on the back of this going on, Christianity sneaks into Rome. Right? right, and, right. and Romans are like, whatever. Go find somewhere. Get out of Rome. Do, do your th- get, go away. Well, they, a portion of them lands in Iberia. And apparently, some Iberians are like, yeah, this is pretty cool. <laughs> like, well, yeah, Christ is pretty awesome, man. We uh, it's you know, before you know, we got we got some Jews here too. They're over here in the kingdom. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Um, we're being persecuted. What you are? Oh, sorry, that's your bag, not ours. We're just, I'm sorry, that sucks, but it's not our problem. Let's <laughs> leave you there. And that's essentially what happens is they're over here fighting this pocket. But how badass right. are the Jews throughout this whole history? They're over here and people are telling them what to do and how to do it. And they're like, we'll do what we can. How about, how about, we'll pay you a tax to leave us alone? Yeah, we heard they do that in Islam. Yeah, we'll do that too. All right, sure. We don't care. Like, what's going on right now? I don't know. They brought over this Christ guy idea, and some people are liking it. And that's essentially how they write about it. Like, that's how it is. These are just fads. Religion at the moment. Right. Like, people really believe in it once they convert, but until then, it's like, oh, we don't know what it does. And that's that's essentially what's going on. So the Canaanites are trying to establish control, but they're clambering in the dark. Right? Right. Right. Because... The Lasamba go, we'll support these, this uh, this new Christian idea. It's coming over. Look at where it's taking conquest. So we'll do that. Yeah, a portion of us are pinching off and becoming Christian. And the Lasamba clan here is like, okay, okay. We're still going to kick it with Rome until until all of a sudden Christianity conquers Rome. Right. <laughs> and then they're and eventually like, uh, what? We just lost it all. And then there's these Christian Lasamba going, Guess what, Ventru? Squash, get out. Man, this sucks. We just got uprooted. And there goes Ventru. Right. So Ventru and Carthage find each other, and this this results in a war. I don't know how it results in a war. It still cracks me up to read it. They basically get banished to the nethers is how they leave. They don't really say where they go. And then while they're out there, they're like, hey, you Lissambra, who didn't convert to either Christianity or, or you know, the new faction that's coming in, Muslims, mm-hmm. you want to you wanna join us? Because these Muslims are coming in. And there was still a fraction of those Christian Lasamber who went, hmm, we're going to convert to Islam. And so the Christian Lasamber are weakened. These guys go and join. They're like, well, you picked the wrong side. You know who runs this war? This war. God wills it. Yeah. It, and then and, and Islam was like, do they? Is that what happens? Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And then the Frankish king's like, we protect all lands of Christian faith. We're coming. Let's take a minute and talk about this episode's sponsor, shall we? Sure, sounds good. This episode's sponsor is By Night Studios' premium live-action role-playing event, Blood and Betrayal Redemption. Blood and Betrayal Redemption brings you, the player, into the heart of the Camarilla's intrigues, politics, and personal horror. Blood and Betrayal is a semi-annual LARP event produced by By Night Studios and is the official By Night Studios' Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle. That means the things you do as a player will affect the future of the Chronicle and the world of darkness as a whole. 
This event is designed for both long-term veterans to live action and new participants to LARP. You don't need to know anything about previous Blood and Betrayal events to go and get involved. I want to mention a few of the major design elements that have gone into the development of this event. First, player agency is a major component of the story. How many times have you gone to a LARP or game and it's clear at the end of the night it didn't matter what choices you made? Well, the storytelling staff has paid special attention to this dilemma. They are setting events in motion, but your choices will determine the outcome of the night. Cooperative storytelling is a major part of that too. A major focus for the BNS storytellers is the collaborative efforts to make an interesting, dramatic, and personally satisfying experience for everyone. And that goes a long way towards building that immersion piece, which is so important to LARP. But they don't sacrifice potential safety to provide it. BNS use several techniques to ensure games stay safe and fun for everyone. Blood and Betrayal Redemption will be at the Abbey in Orlando, Florida on April 24th and 25th, 2020. There are a bunch of packages available that give you added bonuses and goodies. You can check those out at bynightstudios.com. When you purchase your tickets, be sure to use our promo code MET25 to get 10% off. It'll really help our show if you use the code, so it's an easy way to support us while enjoying the premier Vampire the Masquerade event of the season. Once again, use promo code MET25 when you purchase your tickets for 10% off to support the show. Thank you to By Night Studios for sponsoring the episode. And now, back to the show. In the midst of all this warring, out of and mind you, there were still Lasombra who were like, "We're just Lasombra, right? We're just focused on the mortals." Visigoths come in and start kicking ass across Iberia, and so the Lasombra go, "New barbarians." <laughs> I wonder how you Muslim and Christian Lasombra are going to handle this. I mean, you're doing a good job. I meant, you're doing a good job. And then the Frank, oh, well, we'll stop them too. We're here to stop. We'll defend the Christian lands. And the Sombra, like, I bet you will. I bet that guy, what is this? Hannibal Barca tried the same thing a long time ago. Something about he'd protect lands too and it didn't work out. I'm sure it's different this time. And, and it wasn't different, right? <laughs> right? They come in, whatever. But they come in and these Uzigots are like, we're settling here. And the Frankish king was like, well, you better. If you don't settle here, I don't know what I do. Right. Just, I'm going to get crazy if you move out of there. Wait a second. Did you just tell us the land we came and took from you? That if we don't settle where we said we're going to settle, you're, there's going to be trouble? Yeah, I'm warning you, bro. <laughs> don't make me fight you for land you took from me. All right, we won't. All right, then. Well, good. We'll fine, then. And then they're chilling there. And the Lissambra go, you know what would be cool? Yeah, we're Christian Lissambra. Uh, let me talk to that Visigaf guy for a minute. Hey, hey, hey. You're badass, and it's cool. And we're not... We're not doing anything to you. We're just going to mention this idea. If you convert to Christ, this opens up a whole new bag for you. Right. It's like, what are you talking about? You'll get an army to come and defend you, and all that territory you conquered really becomes your territory openly. You don't have to worry about it being taken from you. And the Visigoth was like, hmm, seems smart. Go ahead and do it. All right, he's Christian now. Yay. And then this, <laughs> and then the king who gave the idea, who the Lysambra manipulated, was like, great, I have united the land. We now have... Visigoths here, we have Iberians here, and we'll mix the blood by union, by marriage, which is what the church has always done. And since that's done, and they're Christians now, cool. Eventually they become Spain, as it says in the book. Right. And I was like, okay, <laughs> great. Uh, Spaniard just to say. And I was like, all right, cool. Where this is interesting, this isn't all the troubles are. Like, to me, I thought at that point, well, that's enough of the book. Right. Now well, let's, now let's. We got the history out of the way. Right. And you think you got the history out of the way. And I said, I'm doing just the vampiric one. And right. I'm skipping centuries, right? Doing sunrise, sunri- sunset here. 
So the Franks do that, and that's all well and good. Visigoths, you know, did their thing, but the Bruja decided that they wanted to forge a new identity in Iberia that transcended all the elements that came before during the Visigoth raids. The Ventru wanted to bring back Roman ideals and rule, and we know how that goes. Yeah. So for all you people going Bruja whine about Carthage, you whine nothing compared <laughs> to Ventru about Rome, okay? They really hold a torch for Rome. Yeah. Well, the Lysabra ignore both clans, let them focus on destroying themselves again, and they sit back and as they're weakening and, and doing all that, this is where the slaying of Yezebel happens, right? Yeah. And when that happens and why it's important is because they step in. This is how the Lysambra take over all of Iberia. These folks get smoked. Yezebel's able to do it because Lysambra back and boom, it's done. Then, in the middle of everybody being cool and everything's fine, you have what's known as the, well, the Asimites. Right. Here's where I was like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. Where it is, they just came? Well, yeah, they just came because yeah. you got to understand. Muslims were taking over everywhere. North Africa got punked. We're over here just stomping, stomping, stomping ground. And the caliphates felt like conquering. And, they, and so a missive was sent. Remember the Visigoths that converted? Their people somewhere were like, hey, man, it's uncool that we're getting mistreated. And you know, it's happening, but like, you know, the mistreatment's coming from our own kingdom. What do you right. mean? Well, this dude says I shouldn't own, and that guy blah, 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 politics. Hey, we're going to send you a letter. You come over here and lend me your army to take over what I got. And we'll be buddies. And he's like, yeah, we'll do that. We'll unite. And uh, two armies come and invade Iberia again. Right? Yes. Only they bring the Asimites. And when the Asimites get here, they're like, who opposes Islam? That's like you do. You know, if you want to fuck something up, you bring the Asimites. And before you think anything of it, other than just Muslims who are like, yeah, we're Islam now, the Asimites bring a new group. It's the Ashira. Yeah. It's Lasambra who call themselves a Shia. They're Muslim too. They come over and they're like, yeah, we're coming over here to Iberia. And you have the, the Christian Lasambra like, you son of a, no, we will oppose you, but we're leaving north. Right. We don't right. have an army, but we're leaving north. The Hanley Venture go north. Bruja go north. And then the Iberian Lasambra, who are like elders with stuff invested, they go, we converted to Islam a long time ago. Come on in. You're the Ashira. Let's join. And when they come in, they're like, cool, we're here. And then here's the reign of the Moors, yeah. right? And and honestly, uh, I don't want to interrupt you, but I just want to like interject here. That's a, that's a really good um, point that we're getting to about this book. And this book is kind of like um, part two or part three of the Ashira in the Dark Ages. And this shows that conquest of, of that sect. And, and actually, I think in a lot of ways, it actually gives a, a deeper understanding of, of like, it is a massive sect, but it is a massive sect that really doesn't have anything that unifies it except for Islam. It, so it's, it's just kind of, you say I'm a member and you are. And, and I think right. that that's, that's really given form here in this book. And it's and I like how it how it actually highlights that because the subtlety here is if it even highlights the Veil of Night mm -hmm. as a book that you don't need but you're good if you've read it and we went over that right those of you listen to our previous one please check that um, but the uh, the point is is that they established that it was just a guy who started and listened uh, to to Muhammad and said yeah we'll convert right and it started with like what like five people something like that five eight people Canaanites that is and then the Ashira were born well they get this far and they're now conquesting which. You know, blows the blows the mind, right? right? Everyone will convert, and they're over here doing all this nonsense. But careful what you wish for, 
Power corrupts absolutely. So as the Moors are here, they have inner fighting. There are people who believe they should rule here, that there are folks who should rule there. Even the children of Hakim. Vaunted, mightily, they only worship Hakim, that is all. One of them goes, you know what? Hakim's kind of a psycho. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little bit. I mean, I love him. He's a psycho, though. Um, Islam's cool. <laughs> and, and the Shir were like, what did you say? <laughs> right. uh, we said Islam's cool. How do you feel about Cordoba? I don't even know Cordoba. But he said, no, 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 no. You're a badass warrior. You came over here. Your armies led to some of the biggest conquests over here. Like, everyone knows your name. Um, we're not saying convert. We're saying just check out Cordoba. No, I already said I'd convert. Oh, you did? Yeah, give, get him a mom. Cool, we're there. How about Viziers? Yeah, they're here. They're, they're converting too. Good. You're now the Sultan of Cordoba. All right, what's that mean? <laughs> right. it, it means you're in charge of all, but don't worry about it. I hate this stuff. That's what the Viziers are for. And we're giving you La Sombra to help you. Oh, very generous. Now, now rule Cordoba. You get where this goes, right. folks. What I'm highlighting here, and I'm sparing the next 30 minutes of talking about it, except for one point, I'm going to finish that, the one I just made. But the fact is, La Sombra are complete bastards. It's highlighting their pragmatism. When faced with an invading force, they get information about it. If it seems that they're dominant and there's no real way that they could stop them, a portion of them converts. Right. How they win a bet, they bet against and for what they're betting on. Right. Right? And whoever... Go ahead. Uh, sorry. And, and, well, basically, whoever, no matter what, they win. Right. That's how this goes. So we're Bruhar diehard adventurer diehard Lasamba won because they've worked both sides. Right. And and honestly, that's something that is reflected in the mortals that live in this area. They talk about how um, you know as the uh, invading um, Muslim armies would come in, uh, Christians would convert to uh to islam and then you know they'd live there for a time and then through reconquista and all that christians would come back in and they would dominate and uh muslims would be like yeah yeah we'll just convert back so it's 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 not just the lasambra it's even the people in a lot of these locations these uh, geographic areas i agree but what the the solace i give humans i don't give vampires Humans, at least, I could die. Right. If I don't convert, you will kill me. I have nowhere to go. Right. So I'm going to convert as a survival mechanism. Like, that's the thing about the Jews here. When the Christians, the Christians began persecuting them where they were, and they were like, well, we're Christian now. Okay, you're cool. And then behind closed doors, they're still practicing their faith. They gave them a special name, which I won't even repeat, because honestly, I felt that was, it was a dark part of history, and that's, and that's what they did for them. But if they practice openly and wouldn't convert, they're either forced to move or it got worse. Right. But they they survived is the point. And but that's what she had to do. However, these Lasambra, and here's the <laughs> important thing about them: there is Arab Lasambra, right? That everybody forgets about. Like it, we, we're we're Arabs and we're Lasambra, but no, we're not Muslim. Right. You got to understand that. And we're over here. We are called the Clan of Shadows. We are not part of your Shira. Why? Because it's a, we don't believe in it. What is better than our blood? Right. Nothing. Your religion doesn't add anything for me. And however, uh, the important thing about them is that these guys, they solidify this area. And how they do it, they do it to the chagrin of both the Christian and Muslim Lasambra. When the Reconquista is going on, they're battling for turf. It is the Clan of Shadows, and not, we're referring to Arab Lasambra only, no religious affiliation at all. They sit back and go, when you're tired. <laughs> what does that mean? When you're done fighting children, right? We, we have business. It's like, what do you mean? We're doing the same thing to you that we've done 
to our enemies, and we'll do it to you right when you're done and you'll see it, and then you will learn. Right. But remember, who came over here were the neonate Lasambra who told the clan their elders, ain't nothing here. They were trying to do a land grab for power, and that's what led to the Clan of Shadows winning this. Yeah, You lied, so we manipulated, and we came here. But who are going to jump up and convert to a religion of power or another religion of power quicker than anyone? Those who don't have power. Right? If you don't have, you seek it, and once you have it, you try to keep it. Yeah, However, if you were ones who were always in power, you manipulated that whole thing to begin with. And that's what's awesome about the book, as it highlights. Because it tells you... Everything you need to know about canine politicking is highlighted here in the first couple chapters. Right. You just see how it's done and how those moves are made, and you can see in your head how it's done. The important thing, though, and I say important because I was like, what? <laughs> now, remember, children of Hakeem came over and said, we'll help you do all this stuff. All right. And we're helping you conquest. And, well, you came over with the Sultan. You clearly care about Islam. We do. We, we came over, I mean, we don't, I mean, you're from the region, you know, community's cool, we have cabars of, yeah, but what have you converted, I guess? And, and then they sat there and said, well, there's nothing for you to kill. What do you mean? Well, now that it's safe and calm and we're all here and everybody's kind of relaxed, just, well, you're going to lose power now as a clan because there's no one to kill. <laughs> Wait a second, writers, what? What? Why are they in the book? Why are they here? <laughs> right. Why did you mention them? It's because the you know, Estimites come over because they're, they're from the Middle East. They're the clan in the Middle East. They naturally come over. Why did you move them? They right. could have stayed in the Middle East. They didn't need to come here. You didn't bring the Sedites. You didn't say the Sedites chose to back them as they came over. and con There were Muslim Sedites. I didn't understand it. And I sat there going, um, oh, yeah, I know what this is. I know what this is. We'll leave it alone. I wouldn't even utter it. I'll leave everybody here to infer on your own what that is. I have my opinions. But I sat there going, well, there's some stuff that you could have done. And you did write in individual. I'm meaning as a whole. Right. Clan-wise. That it just seemed like, wah, wah. You were here, didn't do nothing major, but one dude convert. And then you lost power because there was nothing to do. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I, I, did, uh, I did, however, enjoy the inclusion of the Canon Heresy. I think uh, um, having the um, the apostles of the third cane, I thought those were kind of interesting and entertaining. Um, those are, and uh, you know, there's there's some other stuff in here. You know, the the Knights of Santiago and etc. So I don't want anybody to get the impression that this is a bad book. This is one no. of those books that kind of like it kind of cuts you in half. Kind of, you know, it's like uh, it's like getting a knee in the back. Um, maybe your back pops and that feels kind of good, but you still got need in the back. Um, it's, <laughs> it's like getting punched in the face. You still want to say you love them in the morning, but yeah, you know, sometimes you need to get your eyes. Re I don't know. I don't know how it's like, yeah, it's not like getting punched in the face, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's one of those books where I appreciate what is in this book because it has a great deal of information and it is it's got a lot of history, and it can help you really to um, to grow what you're presenting in a Dark Ages game. However, I think that it is just too broad, um, especially with like the characters. I think that a lot of the characters that are presented in here, there's a ton of them. I think a lot of them are just kind of like uh, I don't know if vanilla is the right word, but that's the, the it just they just seem kind of like very basic and broad. 
I think vanilla is the right word. I think they tried to establish that there is a present. Like I said, it's a by night book, and I and it feels like they went, well, who could we throw here? There are canines of worth at all, and they were like, just get it done. Yeah, there's yeah. so many areas and regions you'd be here all day for the first trying to, trying to put that in for the first time in my reading. I was interested in um, the story of Lucida. I was interested in um, her sire and her sire sire. And, um, you know, Mankata is a compelling character. Uh, and Lucida can be a very compelling character, too. However, I just felt like their mentions were kind of shoehorned in here because they were present during this time. But I wanted to know more. It was the first time where I was like, well, why, why wasn't there a book that focused on that compelling story, on, on Aragon, uh, you know, and just that? And so for me, the amount of information in here, the amount of history is just is just too much. And it was very yeah. difficult for me to focus. They have your Aragon in here, but it doesn't go from the focus of those two. Right. Right. So Absolutely. it's so it's hard. It's it's like you make that story. And that's a good thing. I really do feel it's a good thing. However, I as, as voice of the fans, fan myself, you too, here's the common thing I see in all these books. Tell us the story. <laughs> right. Tell us the story. Stop saying that that would have been a good point and put the point in there. Right. We're not trying to, like, we want to play around that point. If we know that one day Lucida is going to be forced to take Archbishop Prick of Aragon, and that's great because that's what comes on, where's the story of the people who were there that she had to come in? Why did she have to take over? Why, how did the Lissambra make that? What was the point of doing it? And you will say, well, you tell us the story. That's We left that for you. That's eh, great. Well, you left that money in our pockets. Right. Right, that's that's what that says. I mean, that's the truth. Like, okay, so you left out the good content to give us the basis to. Fe- well, here's your here's your feedback. Right, figure figure that out. You gotta you gotta reverse that because here's another point. Wolves of the Sea is a fantastic book. We went over that. Yeah, it's a great book, and folks are like, well, you never see this anywhere else. Yeah, you do. They're mentioning this book in one paragraph. <laughs> good luck right? finding them. Right, they talk <laughs> about the Ironheart Gangrel, which is the Wolves of the Sea, and the Vikings were repelled. Right. In the vicinity of Sevilla, and then and then the Sultanate immediately made two naval bases to keep them out because they didn't defeat them. Right, they came over and they were like, "Well, well, well, we get." They, they stopped coming. It was too much, and they left and went elsewhere, and that was that. And we know the Vikings' the history impacted and changed the world. Right, is is what they did. And Einhard Gengar are there. Okay, that's interesting. There's a story there. There's a cool story there. Uh, that was that was missed, and you know they're going to say, "Oh, Bob, you could write it. We you should do something. You uh, could we, tell well, it in you... your game, Bob. We are in the history critiquing your book, unfortunately, Bob. and uh, not unfortunate for the book, but just letting you know uh, that fans out there, there are people who have stated, and I feel for them mm-hmm. that when you think of a good idea, when you look at these books, as these newer books are coming out, this is what should be combed, right? Right." And I'm like, well, you know they do. They're just going with the most popular, the stuff that could actually, they believe, has pop. And and, and if you're going to sit back and go, well, what can I make out of, like, the Ironheart or the fact that, uh, well, the the funny the funniest part about this book, I almost forgot, uh, just uh, thinking of it, is how during all this warring, the when the Moors come over, um, they make the uh, the, the Mawalids, right? These are Spanish Muslims. Mm-hmm. These are, you know, they're, they're half Arab, half Spanish, and, and that's that's what happens. But they dominate everywhere. They're the majority of the peninsula. And then they, they hear that there's talk of revolt, and the sultanate goes, we're done. <laughs> we're now being liberal. It's a liberal rule. 
let's reform everything so these people don't kill us. Right, right. And that's and that's what happened. And I I couldn't stop laughing because if you were Canaanites at this point who were like, no, we're backing this group and that group based on race and religion and creed, and where all the Canaanites' attempts to control these to control man were butchered, were just butchered. The only people who were left standing is the true Lasombra, the clan of shadows that said. You should have been standing here the whole time. Right. Just just exist. We still got what we got. Don't get involved in your nonsense. And that's right. that to me is a lesson of this book. I mean, the truth of the matter is there is so much information in this book. There's so much history to to uh you know, just choke down. Um that it definitely this is a book you're gonna need to take your time with. This ain't a two day read. Um, that's, Mm-mm. that's beyond the shadow of a doubt. Uh, I, honestly though, if you are trying to run a game that takes place in Iberia in AD 1212, holy crap, this is going to be a really great book for you, but you're going to have to take some time. Now, this book is one other thing I want to touch on. What this book does is it does the same thing that the book before it did. Better Crusade brings us up to 1204. This book brings us up to 1212, right? And the reason why that's happening is because uh, in there's going to be one more book in this line, which is Under the Black Cross, which is also, a, it's a chronicle, it's a story, uh, much like the Bitter Crusade was. And that's going to take us up to... Uh, from Vampire the Dark Ages to Dark Ages Vampire. So basically, we're going to be transitioning to a new line of Vampire the Masquerade. So it kind of makes sense why they're doing this. They're jumping up those years. And it's pretty it's pretty cool that they would do that, that they would take you step by step so you could update your chronicle to the modern times of the next book. So that I can appreciate. I definitely can get behind that. Oh, I got nothing to say to that. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's great. I th- honestly think the strategy was converted at this point to be, um, we give you what you're gonna. Let me let me rehash that. Spend a little more thought with that and uh, say this: the way this stuff should be rolled out, nonstop. This is any gaming company. Yeah, it should always be you're telling a canon story. Right. Your fans want to be a part of your story. Right. Stop telling them at home. Run it how you want. And what you do is you run canon and don't offer one way or the other the way it should go. Just put that golden rule to change whatever you want up front and tell the story of how this war and this war is happening and all that's happening. Right. And that's great. And when you do that, give them a template and the characters and the buy night books you want, but then let them run their game at home. Because guess what? Their game at home is not getting published. Right? They'll have fun with it, but that's what people are crying for. Stop telling us to, here's all the info we, we gummed up and now you do something with it. And fans are saying, you do something with it. And we pay you for that book, and then at home we'll run the game the way we want. Right, and that's and that's what it is. And I feel that this this old Dark Ages like Iberia, they as they're ending it as you said, is because they start figuring that out. Right. Yeah, I mean, it definitely gives me the impression that at this point, um, White Wolf had a pretty foundational concept of of how to roll out these books. I just think that this one was like. Too much of all the things I don't really care for in a book. Um, however, it's still a good book, and that's the crappy part about it. It's like it's a frustrating book. There's a there's like too much stuff, but also there's all the stuff. There's all this information. So, anyways, um, I think that uh, yeah, we're we're kind of like 
we, we've come to that point where we're, we're, we're happy. The book was written really well, but maybe it was written a little too well with too much focus on history and not enough focus on gameplay and characters and an actual something to latch onto. The rule great to have history needs to be married with vampires. Yeah. Always not sparsely. That's, that's your meal. Yeah. Your so, spice should be history. Your meal is actually vampires. Yeah, yeah. It it just seems like the vampire part was very tacked on at the end, and uh, um, so yeah. I, I guess let's not continue to beat this dead horse, um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, next week. Next week we have under the black cross, which uh, again is a chronicle, and um, uh, it's not one I'm familiar with, but um, you know definitely one you should tune into because it's the last book in the vampire of the dark ages line and we'll see how it goes out. And, uh, after that we will be, uh, we'll actually be taking, uh, we do this pretty regularly when we have to review an entire core book. Um, we'll be taking a two week break. So basically one week we'll have an alternate podcast for everyone to listen to instead of a review. So we're not going to not post anything. We just won't be doing a new review. And then we'll be coming back with dark ages vampire. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, that main book's a beast and it updates, right? It's twenty anniversary. No, 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 no. That's right, that's right. We're not there yet. I'm sorry. Yeah, that is one main book separate difference. It's my bad. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, so uh, it's um, it's somehow different, um, but I uh, I know it's a pretty big difference between Vampire the Dark Ages and Dark Ages Vampire. But I think High it's clans, a, low clans focus and all that. It's it's yeah. So, honestly, civility gets brought to it. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's well worth us taking the extra time to do that review. Um, and it'll probably be a longer podcast because it's a core book. And they almost always universally are. Um, so, yeah. If you guys have any questions for Robert or myself that you'd like us to answer on this podcast, just reach out to us. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Discord. We would love to answer your question and talk at great length about information we have no knowledge of previous to you asking it. So, <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Until next week, I'm Nathan. And I'm Bob. Thank you for listening to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you like our podcast and you'd like to help support our show, consider backing us at patreon.com forward slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. We offer reward tiers of additional Patreon-only podcasts, t-shirts, and personalized gaming experiences. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and go to our website, utilitymuffinlabs.com, for links to all of our social media, additional podcasts, and more. If you'd like to chat with us, submit a title for review, promote your gaming-related stuff or anything else you can think of email me at nathan at utilitymuffinlabs.com utility muffin labs consistently rated adequate if you'd like to sponsor an episode of our podcast or you have something exciting you want to promote please send inquiries to nathan at utilitymuffinlabs.com. We have several packages and options to work with any budget. We specialize in working with community content creators, and we will write and produce unique individualized material for your events, books, or your products. Again, email nathan at utilitymuffinlabs.com for details.